0: Seated, please open your Bibles to John chapter 3. Thank you, thank you so much uh, for the wonderful praise and worship, worship team. We're so glad that we can sing and praise the Lord with such excellence. Thank you, great job. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, and the Word of God says this I'm reading from the New American Standard. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God, and as a teacher, for no one can do these signs, you do, unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, amen, amen. I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, But do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you did not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven... But he who descended from heaven, the son of man, and as as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father, thank you for the good news of the new birth. Thank you that you change lives. Thank you, dear God, that through Jesus Christ, any life can be made new. And we thank you, God, that you save people and you change people. And we're asking you to do that again today, to save someone, to change a heart, to put someone on the road to heaven, that they would have a new and a better life today in heaven when they die, and that their sins would be forgiven, and they would have a personal relationship with you, and their lives would glorify you. God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Super Bowl in 2014, Super Bowl 48, had as its halftime show a guy named Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars, who is a wildly popular artist. He has sold millions and millions of records. By one count, over 60 million singles of his have been downloaded and sold. He's a 28-year-old Hawaiian-born handsome young guy. He co-wrote a vulgar song with a guy named Flo Rida called Right Round, and the song is rather vulgar and full of dirty themes. But one of his songs is titled Locked Out of Heaven. It was a number one hit for six weeks, I think it was, at the top of the Billboard charts in 2013. I think it was. But um, at the Super Bowl halftime show, he sang this song, Locked Out of Heaven, his huge hit. Number one hit on Billboard. And here's what the song says, among other things. He said, and I quote, I'm born again every time you spend the night. I'm born again every time you spend the night. And so he uses a biblical term, born again. We read it right here in our passage of scripture today. Jesus said, you must be born again. Well, Bruno Mars uses that biblical phrase, you must be born again, in a vulgar way to celebrate sexual immorality. And the way that Bruno Mars abuses the term born again gives us a snapshot into the way that term has been abused and taken out of context throughout our culture. A politician overcomes some ethics charges and we say her career is born again. A running back on a football team overcomes a knee injury and a, a torn ACL and we say, well, his career is born again. They, uh, someone uses a new medication that helps them with a the long-standing disease and they say, I feel like I'm born again even the country artists uh, Brooks and Dunn say I saw the light I've been baptized I'm born to love again I'm a brand new man I'm talking about some new girlfriend that he's got that's going to make them happy so the phrase born again gets used a lot in our culture but where does it come from it comes from the teaching of Jesus Christ this phrase born again And it's all about a new life and a new hope and forgiveness of sins and a changed heart that God gives when he saves someone, when we are regenerated. And in John 3, verses 1 through 15, Jesus explains to Nicodemus what it means to be born again. And from this passage, you and I can learn what it means to be born again. You have an outline in your bulletin with some blanks. I'd encourage you to follow along. We're going to see six foundational truths about being born again and how the love of God changes lives. Here's our point. Last week, we talked about what kind of love is this. And now we're talking about how this love is applied to individual lives when Jesus Christ changes lives and how the love of God through Jesus Christ changes lives. And six truths you need to know, six, write them down, put them in stone, mount them on a wall in your house. These are six things you can take to the bank about what it means to be born again. So if you're ready to follow along, Let's follow along. We're going to see who needs to be born again. Why do we need to be born again? Who can be born again? What does it mean to be born again? Who can give a new birth? And how is all of this possible? So first of all, who needs to be born again? Who needs to be born again? Well, look at your text and we're going to answer it. I'll fill in the blank for you in just a second, but we're going to answer it. Notice who comes to see Jesus. It says this man was named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews, a member of the Pharisees. Now that may not mean much to you in 2018 so let me give you some background. To say that he was a Pharisee meant he was an extremely religious man. The Pharisees were a religious group active in Jesus' day that were very dedicated to keeping the Old Testament law and their whole goal was never to break one of the ten laws uh, the ten commandments. And so in order not to do that they put what they called a fence around the law and they had all these other laws they would try to keep in order not to break the Ten Commandments. They had over 600 laws they would try to keep on a day-to-day basis. My point in telling you all this, Nicodemus was not irreligious. He was very religious. He was an extremely religious man. Also says he was a ruler of the Jews. What that means is In his culture in that day and time, he was a member of what we call the Sanhedrin. This was a a group of people delegated certain authority by the Romans and they had a, a lot of juice in society. So he was well placed. He was on the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. And he knew the right person to come to. He came to Jesus Christ. And if you notice, when he meets Jesus, what does he say to him? He doesn't say, "Hey, you." He says, "Rabbi." He treats him with respect, and he starts asking him the right questions. Well, well we know you've come from God, and we know you're a teacher. No one can do these things. And so here's this guy that's extremely religious. He's well connected. He has position and status in society. He has the right attitude towards Jesus. He's respectful. All these things, and yet Jesus says to him. You must be born again so here's the answer if Nicodemus needed to be saved here's your answer everyone needs to be so here's the question who can who needs to be born again the answer is everyone who needs to be born again the answer is everyone if Nicodemus needed it we all need it so everyone it is a common problem well why is it that everyone needs to be saved here's your second blank you ready to fill it in who needs to be born again the answer is well why do we need to be born again the answer is three letters sin s-i-n it's interesting how we spell the word sin in english s-i-n and in english the letter i is at the center of sin and i think that's a great lesson Sin's all about the big I. I'm going to do what I want, and I don't care what anyone says about how I choose to live my life. I, I, I. Toby Keith, that great theologian, put it this way. He said, want to talk about me? Want to talk about my? Oh, number one, oh, my, me, my. I want to talk about I. It's the center of sin. I'm going to do what I want. I don't care what God says. In fact, when, if you'll notice at the end of chapter 2, it says this in John chapter 2, verse 24, but Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them for he knew all men because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man for he himself knew what was in man that's a negative statement about all of us that we have sin in our heart john chapter 3 19 we didn't read this but notice what this says jesus speaking light has come into the world men love the darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil now why do we have to be born again? Because of sin. We have a sin problem. It is common to all of humanity. All of us have a sin problem. And the challenge is we all know we have a problem but we, we, wrong, we give a wrong diagnosis. Some people say well my problem is I don't have enough money. If I had more money that would solve all my problems. And the most common way in our culture people try to get a lot of money in a real hurry is to play the lottery, which the state of Kansas has so graciously provided for you, lottery. And so the lottery, and here's what I would point out to you. Do you know how many of those lottery winners wind up going bankrupt within just a few years after winning the lottery? You say, why is it somebody wins millions of dollars and then they go bankrupt five years later? I'll tell you why. If you don't know how to t- manage $20, you're not going to know how to manage $20 million. And frankly, if you're playing the lottery, you don't know how to manage $20. I'm just going to tell you, you're not going to win. Well, I knew this guy somewhere and he won. Yeah, I can do about 10 million that didn't win. Okay. And the money's not going to solve all your problems. You say, well, I'm not looking for it to solve all my problems. But as one song said, money can't buy you everything, but it'll buy you a boat and a truck to pull it. I mean, I understand that. And I'd like to have a boat myself. I read the Bible, and obvious in reading from the Scripture is Jesus was in a boat a lot. And so I'm building on that for lots of reasons. But money's not going to solve all your problems. Uh, If you see me in a, by the way, if you see me in a boat anytime soon, stop and say amen. That means my daughters are out of college, and I finally paid it all off. That's what that means. Amen. So, but some people say money. Some people say, well, what you need is more education. Well, I'm not against education. I have given my life to higher education. But I I have been around a lot of people, both secular and Christian, extremely educated people, many of them with a Ph.D. And can I tell you something about a Ph.D. in education? Sometimes all education means is you are a more articulate jerk. That's what it means. And so education doesn't necessarily solve all your problems. President Teddy Roosevelt said this, a man without an education will steal from a boxcar a man with an education will steal the entire railroad so education doesn't necessarily solve all your problems and some people say well it's not money that i'm really looking for it's not education if i can just get the right woman the right man everything's going to be great if i could just get the right woman everything's gonna be awesome okay let me help you out on that uh, as a minister and a pastor of the gospel, I minister to many people about relationships. And here's what I do. I'm schizophrenic. And I think the people to whom I'm ministering are schizophrenic. Why do you say that? Here's why. Because half of them come to me and say, I'm single and I keep finding the right person. I'm looking for Mr. Wright, and Mrs. Wright, And they're praying. Okay, we're praying about that. The other half come to me and said, I got married and I thought they were Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, And they're, they're wanting out. Half are wanting in, half are wanting out. I don't know what you people want. I mean, come on. Get, get with the program. Uh, let's, relationships, another fallen human being is never going to meet your deepest needs. They can't. So listen, teenagers, listen, single adults. If you're sitting there saying, my life would be all together if I just met the right person. Another fallen human being does not have the spiritual capital to meet your sin problem. They can't do it. When you get married, I mean, he's dressed up in a suit and she's dressed up in a wedding gown and I'm standing at the front of a church. But what we've got is one messed up sinner marrying another messed up sinner. They're never going to meet your deepest needs, you know. I, I have a whole. De- I have two daughters. They are strikingly beautiful. I'm so proud of them. But I have when when you have daughters, you read things in the Bible that you missed years ago. You know what it says in Genesis chapter one? It says God created all the creeping things that creep on the earth in the Old King James. I think of teenage boys when I read that now. The creeping things. What are these guys creeping around my house? What are they coming out here for? Another another human can't meet you. It's a wrong diagnosis. You're making the wrong diagnosis. You think that it's money. You think it's relationships. You think it's, uh, I need more education. I need another career. I need another job, whatever. Listen, I'm not saying don't go after any of those things. They'll never meet your deepest need. I, I grew up in a small town. My doctor who delivered me was the only physician I knew for 22 years. The guy who delivered me was my family physician, Dr. Darius Smith. He was a great guy. He was a really good guy. Uh, A couple of years after I left Paulding County, he died. And here's what happened. He started having some back pains and he thought he just had some pulled muscles or something. And he prescribed himself and diagnosed himself and he didn't go see anybody else. He came from a family of physicians. Well, this back pain didn't get any better. And he put it off and put it off and put it off. Finally, he went to see one of his colleagues and they did some poking around. Man, he didn't have a pulled muscle. He had cancer. And by the time that he finally went to get help from someone else, it had metastasized and gone too far, and it was too late, and he died. He was a good man, but what was the problem? He diagnosed himself, and he gave a wrong diagnosis. Some of you have giving yourself the wrong diagnosis. Your deepest problem is a sin problem. We are shaking our fist in the face of God. You say, I don't need God. I don't need this gospel. Somebody drug me to church this morning. I can't wait for you to shut up. I'm getting out of here. And you're shaking your fist in the face of God, and it's sin. And let me just tell you, sin separates us from God. You've heard of heaven and hell, right? We all like to talk about heaven. They do all sorts of polls of people in the United States. What they find is actually most Americans believe in heaven and hell. Boy, what you also find is none of them actually think they're going to hell. I'm just telling you, our sin is of such a nature that it invokes the wrath of God. But God has made a way through Jesus Christ. Who needs to be born again? Why do we need to be born again? Well, here's the next question. Then who can be? If our sin is that big of a problem, who can be born again? Well, the answer is right in John 3, 16. You know what it says? For God so loved the... That... Whosoever, anyone that calls upon him, see what it says? God so loved the who? I've done a deep study on that word world. You know what it means? It means world. It means everyone. It means you, anyone. God offers you. You say, well, you don't know where I've been or what I've done. I sure don't, but God does. And when God makes an offer, he means it. Sometimes it's hard to believe these things because We as humans make promises to each other that we don't really intend to keep, and we wonder if God's that way. But the truth is, God's not like us at all. He keeps his word. Louise Fletcher wrote a poem years ago called, I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again, where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all our selfish grief could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door, never to be put on again. I I have a friend. uh, He's not a Christian, but he's my friend, and I like him a lot, and he's a good guy. And I like him a lot. It's some struggles with drugs in his past. There's a band called the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't listen to a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, they've said some things very derogatory about Christianity. One of their songs, Shallow Be Thy Game. But 1992, their, one of their singers, Anthony Kytus, one of their player, guitar players and singers, wrote a song called Under the Bridge. And... Um, My friend who came out of drugs, uh, that song means a lot to him because the song is all about Anthony Kite's own struggle with drugs and addiction. It's about his own struggle with heroin and he reached a low point in his life where he was so low that he went down to a Mexican uh, gang under a bridge in downtown Los Angeles. He had burned his bridges with all his family members. If you've been through drug addiction and alcohol addiction, you know what happens. After a while, everybody gets tired of bailing you out. Everybody gets tired of paying your bills. Everybody gets taking, tired of taking you to the ER one more time, and they just get burned, and they said, I've had enough, and Anthony Cottage had reached that point. And he said, I've nobody wanted anything else to do with me. I was all alone in the world except for this guy I was going to score some heroin with under a bridge in Los Angeles. That's how low my life had gotten. That's all I had was a Mexican gang to go get me some heroin. That was it. And in an interview about that time, he said, um, I'd been clean for about three years and I was riding down the road one day and this loneliness hit me. And he said, everything beautiful and sacred had taken a back seat in my life. And this is what he said, a direct quote. I didn't feel like there was a single soul in the universe I could connect with on a level of love. I didn't think there was a single soul. And maybe you felt that way, that your family has gotten so tired of you and the mistakes you've made. They've gotten so worn out with the money they've spent on you and the time they've invested in you. And you just said, man, everybody has cut me off and I have nowhere else to go. And I don't think there's anyone that loves me. Everyone needs to be born again. Sin is why we need to be born again. But what's the next answer? Who can be born again? The answer is, and Jesus loves you. Regardless of how lonely and alienated you feel right now, Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ died for you. And the last chapter of your life has not been written yet. And a new chapter can start today. And the first word of that new chapter is, I believed on Jesus Christ today. I gave my life to Jesus Christ today. I found the relationship, the love for which I've been working. And we live in a world where that's not how this world works, right? People are excluded. In 2006, Mike Jeffries, the CEO of Abercumbrian Fitch, uh, I don't shop there much, more kind of a shepherd's guy myself, but they told Salon Magazine, Here's what he said. This is a direct quote, 2006. He said, good-looking people attract other good-looking people, and we want to market to cool, good-looking people. We don't market to anyone other than that. In every school, there are are cool and popular kids, and then there are the not-so-cool kids. Candidly, we go after the cool kids. We go after the attractive, all-American kid with a lot of friends, a lot of people don't belong in our clothes, and they can't belong. Are we exclusionary? Absolutely. Those companies that are in trouble are trying to target everybody, young and old, fat and skinny. But then you become totally vanilla. You don't alienate anybody, but you don't excite anybody either. Do you hear what he said? We're not trying to get everybody. We're only going after popular people, cool people, good-looking people people who aren't fat. We know we've had a lot of protests in recent years in our countries. Well, as a Baptist preacher, I think I want to protest Abercrombie and Finch. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have an act of civil disobedience. I think it's offensive. They don't want fat people because, you know, a lot of Baptist preachers tend on the heavy side, if you know what I mean. They put a lot of birds into the ministry. But the, So what I think I'll do is get a bunch of my Baptist preacher buddies together. We're going to go into Abercrombie and Finch. and We're going to have a bit of civil disobedience. We're going to try on every piece of clothing in that store and stretch it out of place so that none of it's able to be sold anymore and we're just going there you go take that that's, <laughs> I think it's what we're going to do do you hear what they're saying though well you don't belong in our clothes if you're not in with this in you don't belong in our clothes if you don't look like this that's how the world looks let me tell you what Jesus Christ said for God so loved the that he gave his only begotten son. God's, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You are a whosoever. God extends an invitation to you. When I was, in, uh, when I was a young man, I was uh, invited or, uh, to a party. And you get there and then you discover that well, you weren't really invited. We, you weren't supposed to be here. That's an awkward feeling, right? But what you discover is God invites you. He has an invitation for you and it's written with the blood-stained hand of Jesus Christ, the nail-pierced hand, and he invites you to be born again. Who can be born again? Anyone can. What does it mean to be born again? Here's what it says, John 3, 3. Jesus said, truly, truly, amen, amen. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to be born again? The answer is birth from above, born from above. The word again there can be translated from above. To put it differently, one has a second birthday. I was born, in fact, my wife and I have the exact same birthday. We were both born October thirty first, 1967. It's true. October thirty first, 1967. And so, some of you say, well, that weirds me out. That's Halloween. You're both born on Halloween. That's not Halloween. That is Protestant Reformation Day, for your information. That's a great day to be born if you're a preacher. But I was born on Halloween, so was Lisa. I was born October 31st, 1967, into the Branch family. But it was many years later when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was born into God's family. Everybody has to have a second birthday. Well, wait a minute. You're asking me to follow Jesus Branch, and I don't follow anyone, I'm my own person. I don't follow anyone. I set my own pace. I'm amazed when young men in particular tell me that. Young men will tell me, So, you know, you're asking me to follow Jesus. I'm my own man. I don't follow anyone. And I'm just my own person. And the whole time they're telling me that, they got their britches down right here around their hips. I say, Why are you doing that? Well, everybody else does. That's what I'm doing. You're following somebody. You're following somebody. The question is, Where are they leading you? I, I would prefer to follow. The one who rose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. The one who is the mighty warrior, the champion. Who are you following? You're following somebody. It means a birth from above. And then Jesus tries to explain it to Nicodemus. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Um, You're following somebody. And Jesus says, you must be born of the water of spirit. What does this mean? Well, it's Old Testament language. It comes from Ezekiel 36:25 through 27, where it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit with you. I will remove the heart of stone that, and give you a heart of flesh. The water and the spirit, here's the point, they both come from above. The language is from the Old Testament. It's the idea of cleansing. And then in verse 8, he gives him an example. He says, The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, you do not know where it comes from, where it's going. So when I was in the desert with the army, they'd have these sandstorms, this intimidating thing. Beyond the desert, and miles away, rolling across the desert, you would see this huge brown cloud. It looked like a dreadnought coming at you, this awful, ominous looking thing just rolling across the desert. Huge, just thousands of feet high, big brown wall of dirt coming at you across the desert, ominous. You see that coming at you, and here's what I would tell you. The wind causes the sandstorm, but the sandstorm is not the wind. Does that make sense? The sandstorm is the effect of the wind. You follow me? The wind comes along, blows up all the sand. The sand's in the air. The sand is not the wind, and that's how the wind is. You can't really see or touch or feel or taste wind, but but you know it, and you see the effects of it. I mean, you can feel it on your skin, but you, you can't really lay a hand on you can't touch wind right it's kind of blowing around you and God says Jesus says that's what the new birth is like you you can't touch it it's not something tangible but you see its effects and just like that sand in the desert is not the wind but it is the effect of the wind when someone is born again you can see the effects in their life that they are changed and they're transformed Now, I'm talking to a lot of you who've been to church all your life. The question is, have your life ever been changed? Have you ever been transformed? Because when Jesus takes over, everything changes. Listen carefully. If nothing changes, Jesus is not Lord. You follow what I'm saying? If nothing changes, Jesus is not Lord. If your life is no different two or three days after you say you got saved than before it was, you need to stop and ask yourself what this was back here. Well, I had a feeling like I never felt before. I had a feeling like I never felt before at a ZZ Top concert in 1986. That is not salvation. It's not just, it's, it's a transformation in your heart and your life where you have a new motivation, a new will, and your desire is not for yourself. It's not the big, I, I'm i going to do what I want. I want to do what God wants. And so the question is, have you been saved? There's a change. It's a birth from above. I was born into God's family in, not, uh, excuse me, I was born into the branch family in 1967. I was born into God's family. Years later, have you had a second birthday where you were born from above? You called on Christ in mercy and asked him to save you. We live in a world where people say it's biological determinism. You can't change your life. Wait, you're talking about changing my life. You're doomed by your DNA. you have not a thing you can do about it. There's a guy named Macklemore. Uh, He's a popular hip-hop kind of rap star out of Seattle, Washington. And he wrote this song called Same Love several years ago. And the chorus of the song says this over and over again. I couldn't change even if I wanted to, even if I tried. I couldn't change even if I wanted to, even if I tried. That is a lie. Jesus Christ changes lives every day. And yet you're more than a bunch of DNA spun together that's learned how to self-reflect. You're not a chemical accident on the backside of the universe. You were created by God who loves you. You have a soul and Jesus Christ saves your soul and Jesus Christ can change your life. You must be born again. It is a birth from above where God comes in and changes your heart, takes out, the Bible says, a heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh. Well, you're asking me to follow that Jesus again. I don't know. You're following somebody. When I was 19, before I met Miss Lisa, I went out with this lovely young lady. She was an exceptionally fine person, really was, just the best. Her name was Rachel, and I was kind of sweet on her. And uh, when you're a young man and you're kind of sweet on a cute girl, you do dumb things, Right? And so it was New Year's Eve 1986, and she said, Cindy Lauper is in concert and I want to go. I went to a Cindy Lauper concert because of a girl. (laughs) That is what's my point you're following somebody I was following how do you wind up at a Cindy how does a redneck do you wind up as a Cindy Lauper concert I mean it's really messed up four months later Lisa Branch uh, Lisa Swan called me up and said you know I have tickets to hear Alabama Randy Travis and the Judds I said you are the woman for me thank God I'm like <laughs> yes thank you well what? listen you're following somebody where are they leading you Jesus wants to lead you to a life of peace And Forgiveness now, I want to be very clear if you give your life to Jesus Christ today I'm not saying you will have no more problems In fact, you may have a whole new set of problems because suddenly if Christ has changed your life Your friendships change your priorities change right and wrong is suddenly very clear and I'm not saying you're not gonna have any problems. What I will promise you is you'll never face another problem alone The question is what does it mean to be born again is born from where? So who who needs to be born again? Why do we need to be born again? Who can be born again? And how, what does it mean to be born again? Born from, a, born from above. Well, then the question is, if all this is true, who can give us the new birth? And the answer is Jesus and Jesus alone. Verses 9 through 13, Jesus said to him, are you the teacher of Israel? You don't understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen. You do not accept our testimony. He's doing a little wordplay because Nicodemus had come to him, and said, "Well, you know, we we think you're a great teacher." Jesus said, "Well, you know, we know some things too." He says in verse thirteen, "No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man." That phrase, "Son of Man," if you don't know it, write down in your Bible Daniel seven fourteen. It's a messianic title. And the idea is that Jesus descended from on high and he came from uh, down from heaven to earth. And for Nicodemus, the word son of man was loaded with messianic meaning from the book of Daniel. Well, What does it all mean? What does it mean? October 3rd, 1993 was a dark day in U.S. military history. It was the Battle of Mogadishu. You know it as Black Hawk Down. And uh, 18 brave American rangers died that day. Several helicopters or two helicopters are shot down super six one goes down super six four another black hawk comes in to get those guys out he gets shot down and at the second crash site there was a terribly injured pilot trying to hold off an enraged heavily armed mob shooting machine guns at him they're trying to kill him he's the only one who survived circling overhead is another helicopter with two uh, delta force operators sergeant first class randy shugard master sergeant gary gordon And they're circling above, and they can tell this is a really bad deal on the ground. They asked twice to be inserted. They were denied permission. It was so dangerous, they knew they were going to die. And so they're denied permission from on high, further up the uh, chain of command, to go down. The third time they ask, they're finally given permission. And they intentionally roped into a crash site where they knew they were not coming out. They knew they were going to die. Both those men received the Medal of Honor posthumously, but they were able to save that helicopter pilot's life. But the, what I want you to listen is both of those brave Delta Force operators circling over that Black Hawk that's crashed and this armed mob with machine guns and RPGs and everything else, they know when they go in, it's a one-way mission and they're not coming out and they know they're going to die. And they roped in intentionally to save that pilot. Listen carefully. Jesus Christ was not caught by surprise by the cross. Jesus Christ, the cross, was always in God's plan. He was born to die, and when he came to this earth as the Son of Man, he knew it was a one-way mission that would lead to death. And he had his face set toward the cross for you and for me, and he went there that we might be forgiven. And Jesus Christ, on this one-way mission, that we might be born again, the Son of Man, who gives the new birth? And the answer is jesus christ jesus christ gives the new birth he roped into this world for us that you and i might live and how is it possible to be born again it's because of the cross that really leads to the last point so who needs to be born again why do we need to be born again who can be born again what does it mean to be born again born from and who can give the new birth Jesus Christ, and then how did he do it? The answer is the cross, the cross. Verses 13 and 14, which I'm going to preach on two weeks from now, an entire sermon, 14 and 15. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. If you don't know this story, he's referring to a story from Numbers chapter 21. And it may sound odd to our ears, but here's what happened. Children of Israel are going through the desert, bitten by snakes. The snakes are biting them; they die. God tells Moses to put a, a brass serpent up on a, a stick and tells everyone if they look on that serpent, in, if they've been bitten by the, the snakes, if they look on this serpent, he lifts up in the middle of the camp, they won't die. And that's what happens. You can read about it in Numbers 21. It's an amazing Old Testament story. But don't lose the importance of the story by getting confused by the details is too simple. They get bitten by the serpent. God told Moses to put a snake on a stick, lift it up in the middle of the camp. They get bitten by a serpent. They look on the snake and they lived. You got it? They looked and they lived. You got it? So we're going to go over this in two weeks. But they looked and They lived. And it says, Jesus said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That phrase, lifted up throughout the Gospel of John, that's cross language. It's always about the cross. And that at the cross, Jesus Christ paid our sin debt. Because you and I can't, we don't have the financial resources to, to pay off the federal debt in this nation, right? It's trillions of dollars and growing every second. We, we fall far short of that. We don't have the spiritual resources to pay off our sin debt. We just don't have it, and we're never going to have it. So when we talk about being saved, I want to be very clear. When we talk about believing on Jesus and the cross, we're not saying that the new birth means you're making a decision to be more religious. No. And it doesn't mean that someone is going to try to do better in life. No. We're not talking about trying to do better or trying to be more religious or I'm going to be more earnest and sincere in church attendance. No, it's none of those things. It is surrender. You run up the white flag and you say, I'm tired of fighting. I give up. Listen, what you discover at the foot of the cross. Listen, you and I have two major problems in life. We have a sin problem and we have a death problem. All of us are sinners and all of us are bound to die. And the Bible says it's appointed to a man once to die and then the judgment. And we stand before a holy God. What's going to happen? We have a sin problem. We have a death problem. At the cross, Jesus Christ took place, took care of my sin problem. At his resurrection, he took care of my death problem. Jesus Christ. And here's the amazing thing. And when it comes to Christ, when we surrender then we're victorious, and when we die to ourselves, then we live. We surrender, and then we're victorious. We die to ourselves, and then we live. How do we pull all these ideas together about what it means to be born again? I'm going to try to pull it together in a story that I think will help you Get some perspective on what the new birth means. It is the story of Kim Phuc. You do not know Kim Phuc, but if you've ever read about the Vietnam War or seen a book on the Vietnam War, you have seen her picture. She is the person known as the napalm girl. Do you remember this photograph? little girl running away from a huge napalm cloud in a a South Vietnamese village. An A-10 Sky Raider comes in and it... um, It dropped the napalm on the wrong people. And a little girl is running away from a village with her back on fire. Her name is Kim Fook. She's still alive today. She's known as Napalm Girl. It's one of the most famous pictures in the history of the world. It's very famous. A Time, Time Magazine photographer just reached up and snapped a picture of her running from this napalm cloud. She has no clothes on. They've been burned off. And her back has been burned off. She says when she was running away from that cloud of napalm, she was yelling, too hot, too hot, too hot eight years old she went through about 20 different operations to save her life before south vietnam fell to the communists in 1975 when the communists took over they used her as a piece of propaganda because her photograph was so famous every time western journalists would come to vietnam after the communists took over they would trot out little kim Phuc and say, this is the girl whose back was burned off by those south vietnamese uh, airmen when they dropped this napalm on her village and her life became miserable. She was in constant pain. She's bitter. She's angry. She came from a religion you don't you've never heard of. It's called Cao Dai. It's, it's a blend of Buddhism and Catholicism. But in cow Dai, if you have a sin problem, it's because of something you did in this life or possibly a previous life and you gotta take care of it. And so she's ticked off at God if there is one and she's in pain and she's angry and she's a smart young woman and she grows and matures and they wind off sending her to Hanoi to get an education. So she's going to Hanoi, the communist are paying for her to get an education. She's working on a college degree. And of all things, she's walking through a communist library in Hanoi one day in 1986. You know what she discovers? She discovers a Bible. And she starts reading the Bible, especially the New Testament. And her initial reaction was, this is junk. I don't believe any of it. She's ticked off. You know what ticked her off the most? That someone said Jesus Christ had to die for her sins. She said, I take care of my own sins. My religion, die. you take care of your own sins. I don't need someone to die for me, so I don't want to look at that anymore. Through a series of events in Hanoi of all places, the communists had allowed a little church to meet. Not many people, 40 or 50 people. By complete, almost accident, she winds up in the worship service at a little evangelical church in Hanoi. After she'd read the Bible and said, I don't like it and I don't need someone to die for my sins. And she starts attending the church and she starts listening to the gospel and she goes back and she goes back and goes back. And after attending this church for a couple of years, she gave her life to Jesus Christ and was saved. Listen to what she said, though, about her whole experience. She said, um, she said, I realized that what I regarded as the Bible's most ludicrous claim that Jesus Christ could pay for my sins that going to heaven would be a certainty do you realize that's what she rejected she said that was the most ludicrous came to me there's no reason someone else died for me but i realized that's the answer and she talked about this picture where she'd been world famous for the little girl the napalm girl she said i wanted to escape that picture i got burned by napalm and became a victim of war but growing i became another kind of victim the communists are using her I, i i wish i had died at that time she wishes she had died She said, it was hard for me to carry that burden, hatred, anger, bitterness. But when Jesus Christ came into her life, listen to what she said. Most of the people, they know my picture, but there's very few that know about my life. I'm so thankful that after trusting Jesus, I'm so thankful I can accept that picture as a powerful gift. Do you hear what she said? The most... Evil thing that happened in her life, being burned by Maypal, then being made world famous, then being a, a just a tool for the communists, a little propaganda tool. Now she accepts as a gift. She is a member of an evangelical church in Toronto, Canada, today. She loves Jesus Christ. Do you hear what happened though? I wish I had died. I hated that. And all that bitterness was taken away and replaced by the love of jesus christ i'm gonna ask lisa to come if she would i want you to listen very closely to what i'm about to share we're going to end the service differently than we usually do in baptist churches we're going to do something different and i want right now everybody to take out this card right here that you filled out if you didn't get one get it right now take this out lisa you go ahead and begin playing something if you would take this card right here i want you to listen closely you flip it over i want you to look we hand these things out every week but i want to show you something you say how do i receive this new birth everything you're saying my, I, I don't want the pain and the sin and the bitterness i've been carrying around listen carefully there's a prayer on this card i want you to look at it with me i want you to listen carefully to what it says lord jesus christ i confess that i am a sinner and i cannot save myself I believe that you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sin against God. I confess that you were raised from the dead, that I might live in victory over sin. By faith, I now turn from my life of sin and trust you as my personal Savior and commit to making you the authority over the rest of my life. From this moment forward, I will take up my cross, die to myself, and follow wherever you lead, regardless of the cross cost in your name. Amen. Now listen carefully, I want you, this is what it means to be born. This is what Christ has done for us. How am I born again? We believe on Jesus in the way this prayer says right here, and He'll save you. He's never turned anyone away. Now listen carefully. whenever we'll head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never trusted Christ right now, no one else looking up, no one lo- looking around. In your heart, I want you to pray this with me. Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sin. Pray that in your heart. Now continue, pray this. I confess you were raised from the dead that I might live in victory over my sin. Pray this, by faith, I turn from my life of sin and I trust you as my savior. And you are now the Lord of my life.